This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to Holland Assets. This is the podcast that you come to if you want to learn about trucks and trucking and truckers. Right, Chris? Uh, I hopefully I, I think at this point what, we're episode forty three that we're into this now we What's better this about know little, again? we better know what we're talking about What's, I would hope who am I okay all right I'm Craig your host and Chris is with me again for episode number forty three this is wrapping up our little mini series on uh, the FMCSA DOT regulations and the like today we're going to be talking about how to pass your DOT new entrant safety audit. Uh, again, this is an important one, especially for those who are just hitting the road in the last year or so. If you haven't had your audit yet, you're gonna. So today is going to be a vital episode for those in that boat. Now, speaking of new drivers, Chris, you made a rookie mistake and I want you to cop to it. I want you to tell everyone about it. I, I love because you don't make that many mistakes. And so I, I, I want to dwell on this. I want to marinate in this a little bit. I'm surprised you said you made a rookie mistake instead of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you made another rookie mistake. <laughs> okay. What happened this time? <laughs> uh, I had to do with tires. So I, I'm, I'm driving down the road, I do my DOT inspection. And um, I, I've, I've kind of been watching one of these tires on my trailer. It's been cupping a little bit. So I know it's eventually going to have to be um replaced well it went from you know me kind of keeping my eye on it to all of a sudden within a day like i i, I legit do my daily safe my daily inspection on my truck and trailer look at everything the of tires. course you do of course, of course you I do. do yeah every day and i don't know what happened but it went from hey i got to keep an eye on this tire to all of a sudden i'm seeing the the um steel belt or the belt on on this tire i'm like holy crap i've got to get this thing replaced it it, wow. it wore out super fast you're like sparking down the road just about yeah so i i notice i've got an issue when i start off in the morning and i look for a place along my route where i can get it replaced and the the best on route place that seemed to have pretty decent reviews was actually a little bit out of my way like i had to go about five miles off the road usually you can find a tire place where it's like right off the freeway yep well it's was that it happened to be at the Goodyear in Caldwell, Idaho. And I pull in there, back the trailer into their shop, and they start kind of doing their thing and they and they look at this tire that's having issues and, and they start to look at it and they bring out this tool that measures the the actual width of the tire, not just the tread depth, but the actual width of the tire. And they measure the tire that's having issues and then they measure the tire next to it. Well, the tire next to it was like um I I, they, they measured it at 24 whatever it was with their thing and I can't remember what they measured my actual tire was but they were far enough different in in width yeah. that the the tread on the one had worn down so much that they were like I can't believe you know they kind of looked at me funny and they're like <laughs> I can't believe you have been you would have ever driven a trailer with two tires that are so far mismatched and I guess they were just that they were so far mismatched kind of in in tread depth and size that uh, it was that's what was causing the cupping and some serious issues and um yeah so uh, they they kind of looked at me like who are you and what are you doing and, and again i am definitely a rookie when it comes to driver i am very good at the business side of things but uh you know i've, I've only been doing this the driving part of it for i'm, I'm almost a year now at this point yeah 
Well, but still, this is a good I'm chance. Still... I want to give everybody a chance. You know, those for those who are like me, who fear spreadsheets and aren't that organized and aren't as good as the at the business side of things, I want them to have a little chance to point and laugh at the guy who had severely mismatched tires <laughs> on his trailer. So. Well, and, and some guys get an opportunity that sometimes when I back in, you know, I'll, I'll you know, some of the, still some of the more complicated backs, you know, I'm sure there's guys out there who kind of get, get a snicker at me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> who is this guy as he tries to, you know, 90% of the time now I'm, I, I can, I can back into a dock first try pretty quick, pretty smooth, but every once in a while, I don't, I just find one that just has my number and just doesn't let me back in very easy. And guys get a snicker. So, <laughs> well, this this whole story, the whole point of this, Chris, was to establish your rookie cred for today's episode. <laughs> you are a rookie in some ways, and that's what we're going to be talking about. This is who we're going to be talking to today because we're talking about new entrant safety audits. Maybe we should rename it to the the uh, DOT rookie audit. The oh, the rookie audit. You know, that's what you should name the packet at Motor Carrier HQ. Com, uh, the rookie packet the rookie assistance packet exactly so speaking of which you can go to motorcarrierhq.com and find some of the resources that we're going to be talking about today you can also go to uh, hollandassetsllc.com as usual and find the full show notes there uh, as with the last couple of episodes the uh, show notes on this will be fairly extensive and so we may not be able to include all of them in your podcast feed like you would normally get there may be a read more tag and you just click through make sure you check out all the details that we're going to be talking about today because uh yeah it is not only important but it's also lengthy you know the amount of stuff that uh, you need to know for these safety audits is uh it, it looks intimidating but for today part part of the point of today is dispelling that uh that feeling of intimidation, right? Right. And with the right resources, a new, especially a new entrance safety audit should be a breeze as long as you're staying on top of things from the very beginning and, right. and you're doing the things that are prescribed. A, a new entrance safety audit is, I, I was surprised how simple it was. And, and they're really not out there to get you. They're out there to kind of help you to educate you and just make sure you're doing the right thing. Like in my situation, because I, you know, I'm, I mean, I've done this for a living, the the safety part for a long time. So it was especially easy because I, I knew what I'm doing, but it, it really, I was, I was pleasantly surprised how simple it is. They're not going super deep into your books and right, records. Right. And well, before we get um, too far into your experience with all of this, we are going to get to that. I just want to back up and ask you for a definition here. This is a new entrant audit. What is a new entrant? Can we can we define that? Yeah, absolutely you can. So a new entrant, anytime somebody applies for their DOT number or their motor carrier operating, operating authority, the FMCSA puts them into this new entrant category because they're a new company, a new motor carrier, they're, they're a new entrant. And that new entrant period lasts for 18 months. And during that new entrant time, there's kind of two things that the DOT does. One is they actively monitor you. So two episodes ago when we were talking about um, just kind of the CSA program, we mentioned that the um, they, they, the DOT monitors you through like roadside inspections. And, and I talked about um, your inspection selection criteria. 
Um, you're because you're a new entrant, you're going to be at least on that neutral where they can either they either pull you in. They're not mandated to pull you in, but they don't just give you a free pass either. So you're probably going to get pulled in a little bit more often during that 18 month period. Um, just for a, a starting point, I've been doing this for driving for almost a year now at this point, and I've only been pulled in for one audit at a port, which is or one inspection at a port, which is is pretty good. So that's one of the ways that they actively monitor you. And then second, they're going to conduct a new entrant safety audit. And that is supposed to happen within the first 12 months. And so that safety audit is is usually completed by um, one of the FMCSA's state partners. FMCSA state partner? Is yeah. It, so it's not, just, uh, it's not just a federal organization? They have state levels as well? So, so the FMCSA, the federal piece, yeah. kind of oversees everything and monitors everything, but for the most part, it's really the state partners. So your state department that that monitors motor carrier, commercial vehicle stuff within your state is really usually the ones that are conducting those audits. And this will similarly be the DOT for that state? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Got it. So in Utah, where I'm based out of, it's the um, Utah Motor Carrier Division. They're the ones, the Utah Department of Transportation Motor Carrier Division that comes out and actually conducts the audit and does the audit. Um, and so with that being said, because they're run by state agencies, the FMCESA kind of puts out minimum guidelines of what needs to happen in this new entrant audit, and they train the states on that. But the states can either follow the minimum guidelines or they can be more intrusive because there are some states that... <coughs> California. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, what? And probably, Cal- well, California might not be just because they're so busy with other things. They're <laughs> right. so disorganized in so many different ways that... Uh, they might not be able to do things more <laughs> extensive, but there are, there are states that will do it a little bit more extensive than Utah. Um, as we talk about my experience in Utah, you'll kind of see that I would, I would suspect that the way Utah does it is a little bit less intrusive. They kind of probably stick with those minimum guidelines Yeah, because it, it really wasn't uh, too extensive of a process. Okay. So why then let's, we've talked about, sorry, who the new entrants are. But the new entrant audit, let's talk about why this happens. I assume it's just so that they can make sure that you're not an idiot that's going to kill other people out on the road. Is there anything more to it than that? that that's a big part of it. They really just want to make sure that when it comes to the safety regulations, as a company, you're stepping off on the right foot and you're kind of getting, you've got your ducks in, in a row early on so that later on down the road, uh, you're not running into issues. So they, they just want to see that you have adequate systems in place and controls in place to manage the safe, safe operation of your business. Because, you know, after all, you are sending large, heavy vehicles down the road that can cause serious damage to property and, and even take people's lives if you're not operating them safely. And so they just want to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do and, and you're not putting the uh, public at uh, exposing them to undue risk. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... Chris, now let's finally get to your experience with your audit. When was it and how did it go? Okay, so let's kind of take, let's talk about the timeline. So my my first day when my motor carrier authority was granted was April 9th of 2019. My birthday. Was that your birthday? Happy, happy wow, birthday happy to birthday, me. Happy birthday, Craig. Yeah, happy birthday to Holland Assets too. Hey, We've got how the about same that? birthday. What All do you right. know? Um, so that's when that happened. I got notified by email on the second or the 13th of February of 2020. Oh, wow. So what okay. is that like 10 months, 10 later. months later yeah. that I was, I was going to be audited. 
So my the the first notification that I received was an email, and then basically in that email they told me to expect an audit, and that I was going to get an official letter with a date of when everything had to be submitted. With that being said, that email had everything I needed in it to get going. Um, so it, it it talked about the upload site that I was going to get an offsite upload audit. Um, it gave me the instructions on how to do everything. And the email also contained, you know, all the contact information for the auditor who had been assigned to me to actually conduct the audit, um, told me how to get in contact with them. And, uh, and, and did you do that or did I, you just rely on the email? No, I actually did. And I'll, and it was a good reason, a good thing that I did. And we'll kind of get to that a little bit later on as we talk about kind of the whole entire process. Um, but then, uh, about a week after that, probably not even quite a week, I received the actual official letter from the FMCSA uh, in the mail. And it from the date of the letter, which I, I, I think I got it about two days after the date on the letter, I had 20, you have 20 days to actually submit everything to them that they're asking for. And both of those letters, both the email and the actual letter gave a, a big list of everything that um, I needed to submit. Oh, okay. So that's nice. At least they're not, uh, it's, it's not mysterious, right? It's not mysterious. And it's, and it's really not too hard of a process. And, but to even make it a little bit easier, I've created a video of me logging into the, the portal where you upload everything and you do the audit. Um, it, it kind of explains everything about logging in, how to do it, how to submit documents. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty nice little video to show you how to do that. So that'll be in the show notes. So you can go into the show notes and um, find a link to the video, watch the video. It'll help you out, make things super easy for you and super yeah. smooth. Well, let me ask you a question, Chris. With the timeline, you said uh, once you got the letter, they gave you about 20 days to submit everything. You just got back a few weeks ago, as we know from several episodes ago, you just got back from your uh, Army National Guard training that lasts, what, two weeks? Yeah. And so you're out. You're not... In, in a situation then when you're able to do that, what happens if you get audited while you're on vacation or you're, you know, in your case, doing National Guard training? That's a, that's a good question. I asked that, I asked my auditor that very question because the, the initial email actually came right while I was still in my two-week annual training, kind of uh -oh. towards the tail end of it. The letter itself came the weekend, like I think the Monday after I got home. So that, that's, that's a, a very legitimate point. And so I, I was able to get everything done in time well within that 20 days. But, you know, I, I asked the auditor, well, what happens if a guy can't get everything to you within that 20 days? And he said, there is some flexibility with that. But the key is, is that you've got to maintain communication with your auditor. You know, don't just ignore them. Just don't hope they're going to go away. Don't just say, hey, I can't get to this now. I'll get to it sometime later on down the road. Make sure you're letting your auditor know. And as long as you maintain that communication, let them know, hey, I'm on the road. I'm not going to be back until such and such a day. Give me three days after I get home to be able to submit the, all the documentation. He said every auditor he's ever known, Utah or elsewhere, will work with you on that. They've got a, a little bit of time to get everything submitted. So shouldn't be an issue, but don't ignore them. That's <laughs> when the problem happens. I'm getting flashbacks to high school where the, the teacher says, here's the due date don't come to me the day before and, and tell me that, uh, you know, there's mitigating circumstances yeah. or whatever, you know, get yeah. it done. Uh, and okay. Okay. So you talked to the auditor and I assume you asked other questions as well, right? I did. And we'll go through some of those questions. I, I at the end of it, I want to talk about, I, I asked them some questions outside of the audit. You know, what are some of the big 
problems that you see. And, and we'll get to some of that in a little bit. But one of the things that's really important was when I first made contact with him. I actually made contact with him before I started submitting stuff and even kind of gathering it, which I'm really glad I did because those letters are a little bit confusing because there's going to be stuff in them that doesn't necessarily pertain to you. Like if you haul hazmat or um, if you are an interstate carrier, there's some things in there that, that may not pertain to you. So I talked to him. He was able to tell me exactly what I needed to upload. And he, he even said there were a few of the things like, for instance, when I uploaded my hours of service logs and the supporting documentation, he didn't ask for the full one month's worth of supporting documentation. He just asked for a few pieces of it. And so it made it a lot easier having talked to him first. I, I didn't end up spinning my wheels and submitting stuff that he didn't actually want to look at. I got him just what he needed, nothing more, and it was super easy. Okay, so you've got 20 days to submit everything. Did it take you 20 days? No, actually, once I started, got that list from the auditor of everything that I needed and started gathering all that stuff together, I I should have taken notes and like actually recorded myself doing it. But if I just had to shoot from the hip, I would be willing to bet from the time I started gathering everything, I got it and got it uploaded onto the site. I'll bet you I didn't spend much more than two hours doing all that. Uh, it was not too pretty bad at all. Easy. So if, if you've kind of maintained your records decently, um, you should have it all. And that includes me, you know, going out and logging into my fuel card system and pulling my fuel card records and logging into the ELD and submitting the stuff through the ELD, all that stuff, it, it, you know, doing all that and uploading it two hours or right around there. Not much more. It was pretty, it, it didn't take very much time. This is another uh, advertisement for being as organized as Chris. Yeah, there you go. And, <laughs> and watch the video. I kind of show how you upload it. it it's, uh, you know, it, it's pretty, as far as government websites go, it was a pretty easy website to navigate around, pretty intuitive. It didn't crash. It functioned well. So, you know, overall I was, I was actually fairly impressed, which I, I'm usually pretty critical of government websites and government stuff. It's usually not really well done, but this one actually was pretty good. Okay. All right. So you got everything uploaded, uh, that all the documentation that they asked for, and it was really quick. Tell me about the results then. How long did it take you to hear back from them? Uh, is there anything else about the results process that we need to know about? So it's crazy. So I, I submitted, got everything submitted in, in, I actually spread it out kind of over two days. I got most of it done one day, submitted one or two more things the next day. And then the day after that, I actually received an email from my letter, an email from my auditor with a letter attached with my results showing that I'd passed it. Wow. So wait, wait, it okay. was fast. Now I need some clarification and I don't, I don't, uh, this is an honest question. I don't mean to be totally flippant here, but is this an actual governmental organization or is this a third party running these audits? No, it's a, it's a, it, it was a, um, guy that works for the Utah department of transportation, motor carrier division. His email address was a utah.gov wow. email address. So yeah, it's I'm a, just, again, I don't mean to be overly critical or anything, it's, but it is, we it, are it kind is. of conditioned to think that government operations don't run this well. And, and you know what? His name was Ron and and he didn't, he didn't know who I was. Like yeah. he didn't know I was a podcaster or any of this stuff until the very, like after I gotten the results back and then went back and asked him a bunch more questions that yeah. I was going to use for the podcast. Did I even tell him that? Like he's, he has had interactions, a ton of interactions with motor carrier HQ and some of my employees. And like, he didn't know any of that. And when I told him who I was, he's like, Oh, really? Like he didn't know any of that. And, and, but 
He so, so you, he treated so, me like a normal yeah. driver owner operator. He didn't know any of that until the very end when I actually told him that just as I was kind of saying, "Hey, I want to use some of this information you're telling me as part of the podcast." It did some of that come to light. Oh, nice. Okay. And he was super nice, super helpful. He had told me before, "Anytime you have any questions or any issues or anything, give me a call. I'm I'm happy to answer questions anytime." So I, I was like very pleasantly surprised with how nice he was and, and how helpful he was. Very good. Go Ron. Go uh, Ron. So at the time you received your initial email to when you got the notice that everything was hunky-dory, about a week? was it, Because I took a, a little bit of time until I actually sat down and did everything, it was, it was almost two weeks to the day. Okay. So I think it was, I got the original email notice on the 13th of February and if I remember right, I think I got the actual results, the results email on the 26th of February. And then the official letter from the FMCSA mm. via mail was dated the 28th of February saying that I'd passed it. And I think I got it in the mail actually a few days after that. Nice. Okay. Very good. So in your conversation with the auditor after you'd passed and everything was fine and you got to pick his brain a little bit, so what came out of that? I'm sure you got a few tidbits. I did. I, I asked them, you know, kind of what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make? And so we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. And one of the biggest things he says, owner operators that don't treat themselves like a driver. Oh, we talked about this last time. We did. With You've got to have your own uh, application on file. Yep. You have to apply to work at your own company, right? You do. <laughs> so you, you have to, as, as the driver of that, of your company, you have to treat yourself exactly like you were any other driver. So you have to have a, a pre-employment drug test done, which he says doesn't happen a lot. You have to be part of a, a random drug testing pool, which guys are like, oh, I'm the owner of the company. I know I'm not doing drugs. Well, that doesn't matter. You still have to take, mm. have that pre-employment drug test. You have to do your random drug testing. You have to have a pre-employment application. Um, you... You have to maintain all that stuff. You have to pull your own MVR and keep that on file. Well, I know how many tickets I've gotten in the last year. Well, you still have to do all that stuff just like you were hiring a driver off the street. Gotcha. Okay. What other mistakes did he mention? Um, probably the biggest one, especially with the hours of service that they see is misuse of personal conveyance. And and he acknowledges that this is a super gray area and that one auditor is going to tell you one thing, another auditor is going to tell you another thing. So like... If you stick with the the letter of the law, the letter of the law with personal conveyances is you can't really be advancing your load. Okay. So like if you're, if I'm doing a trip between Salt Lake City, Utah and Atlanta, Georgia, and I stop somewhere on I-80, you know, and let's say I stop in Evanston and then say, hey, I'm going to drive to um, the border of Wyoming and Nebraska, and I'm going to do it on personal conveyance. Um, you're you're advancing your load. You're you're getting closer to your destination on personal conveyance, and they can probably at that situation write you up. But I said, you know, and I think I may have mentioned this in the past, but like one of the ways that I most use personal conveyance is, you know, if if you look at it by the letter of the law, an auditor probably could say to me, "Hey, no, I'm not going to accept that." But um, people I've talked to, auditors like Ron that I've talked to, have said you'd probably be okay in this situation. So the situation I will typically use it for is when I when I sleep at night, I typically like to sleep 
somewhere where I'm away from a crowd. So I don't really like to go and sleep at a truck stop because they're noisy. The lights are always on. It's a little bit harder for me to sleep. So I'll, I'll oftentimes sleep at a rest stop because they're just, they're quieter. I like them better. But then, you know, if I want to take a shower the next day, I'll, before my 10 hour break is up, I will often put it on personal conveyance drive, maybe, um, 10, 15, I think the furthest I've ever gone on personal conveyance is maybe 30 miles down the road to the nearest truck stop where I have a free shower credit and take a shower. Gotcha. And that may be- Or eat And, and that may be like that. toward your destination. And it may be toward my destination. I may be advancing the load, but that's where that gray area kind of comes in. And you know, if, if an auditor really wants to be a jerk about it, they could probably write me up for it. But you know, I, I think most auditors are going to understand that you know, I'm-, I'm 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 not using excessively. I'm not right. driving that far. I'm not doing it all the time. It's not like it's something I'm doing every single day. It's you know onesies, twosies, here's and here and there. <laughs> right. There's a reason for it, and I think most auditors would say, okay, it's reasonable, right? It's, it's reasonable. That, that reasonable standard that uh, so many of these things come down to. Yep. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, big mistakes that he said to watch yeah, out for. I've, I've got a couple more. Okay. The first one is um, insurance. And he says, this is a particularly problematic with intrastate carriers. So guys that are staying within the state, mm-hmm. um, they they still, even though they're just staying in the state, they still need to have that $750,000 insurance limit. The, the, the DOT doesn't require that they submit proof that they've done it. Like if you're an interstate carrier with an operating authority, you have to do that. But these guys don't have to actually submit proof but they still have to have it. And he says a lot of guys just don't do that. So wait, they don't have to submit proof. Yeah, they don't have to they don't have to submit to the DOT or the FMCSA that they have that $750,000 insurance right. policy. So it that, are you this saying is where they it's called, are you saying they don't have to submit that until such time as they get audited and no, then they, they better well, have they, proof. They, they need to have a record if they get audited. Yes, that they've got it. But when you apply for your motor carrier authority and you get an MC number, you have to file what's called an MCS-90. Your insurance company files an MCS-90 with the FMCSA showing the FMCSA that you have you meet the minimum insurance requirements. Yeah. If you don't ever leave your state, you don't have to submit that form and you don't have to show up front that you've got that. But you still have to have it and you still have to be able to produce documentation that you've got it if you've got audited. But because you don't have to submit it up front, a lot of guys just don't realize they have to do it or just don't or they do, just they put don't it get off. it they just put it off and they don't yeah. have it and they get themselves in trouble okay interesting all right so, and an- uh, another caveat with that too oh, yeah. though is what a lot of guys don't realize is that if you um if you're like a lawn care business that carries fuel like you know a little 5 gallon oh, sure. jug of fuel or you've got a lawnmower that has a uh, fuel on it you have to have that million dollar policy. Oh, really? And, and a lot of guys don't realize that. So that that's called hauling class nine bulk fuel. Okay. Um, it's just it's even just, if it's just a couple of five gallon. Even tanks. if it's just a couple of five gallon tanks, or it's the fuel that's in um, the tank of a of a lawnmower that you're pulling. Yeah. You're hauling. You know, you've got to have that million dollar policy. All right. Well, interesting. And then there was one more. You said uh, you one, had a couple. Yeah, last one's vehicle inspections. Oh, uh, okay. Um, a lot of, a lot of states don't necessarily require you to submit, you know, like when you register a car, a lot of the times you have to show that you've done a safety yep. inspection that a lot of the times they don't require that on commercial vehicles because everybody knows with a commercial vehicle that you've got to have it. 
but some people still fall short with that. You've got to have your annual vehicle safety inspection. You've got to maintain those. And if and that's if you remember right from the last episode we talked about, that's one of the things that will automatically fail your fail you in your audit if you're not doing those periodic annual safety inspections. Gotcha. Okay, so that's a bunch of stuff that could potentially sink somebody. I'm sure there's other things, but these were kind of the the common ones that Ron mentioned. Yep. Uh, what happens if you do fail? Uh, what what steps do you have to go through, or you know what recourse do you have? It's pretty similar to some of the things that we talked about in the in the previous episode when we were going through the full-blown yep. safety audits, but maybe not quite as intrusive. So, for example, a lot of times, m- most of these audits, audits that you're conducting, um, again, it depends on states. Some states do them a little bit differently, but most of what we're seeing these days are the off-site upload audits where you're just submitting a, a, a little bit of what you're doing. And so... What he says they see most people do um, is they don't submit all the documentation that's required. And so they'll fail a guy for an audit, give a notice of violation. But oftentimes what they do is they just do what's called a modified corrective action plan. They just make you submit the documents that were missing. Gotcha. Not so the whole not the shebang. Whole shebang again. You don't have to go through everything again. It's just the the documents that you didn't submit. Okay. And uh and uh, can you fail outright and just, you know, everything goes horribly wrong you with can. this process? You can, but that that's usually where they'll ratchet it up and do either a on-site focused or an on-site comprehensive. They'll, they'll upgrade that safety audit to do one of the more intrusive ones. Um, the other thing that can happen, you know, if, if you fail, it may be not quite that bad, but still bad enough, they'll do make you do just a full-blown corrective action plan. Yeah. you know, address the areas you felled in or, and, or address the areas where you were missing documentation. Right. Well, and, and of course your experience with this and your conversation with Ron, we should caveat it one more time that this was in Utah and every state's going to be probably a little bit different, even if it's not wildly different. Right. Yeah. I, I think most people's experience from, from what I've talked to from other guys from other states is pretty similar to what Utah is, yeah. but I know there are some states out there that that do do a more extensive, you know, sometimes even an on-site one. Um, and that's usually, I think from what I, from what I gather, this is just me suspicion is states that are a little bit more rural that don't have quite as big of a population. Auditors have a little bit more time to do this kind of thing <laughs> are going to sure. go out and do the on-site visits. Whereas you get into the more populous states with a lot of trekking companies, the auditors just don't have time to do that kind of thing. So they're going to do as many off-site quick, easy safety audits as they possibly can because yeah. they just don't have time to to go on site with everybody out there. Makes sense. All right, Chris. So this, if somebody follows the uh, the plan from this and, you know, make sure that they're organized, everything should go all right. Yeah. yeah. It should go easy. It should be quick. It should be relatively painless. It's it just getting out and doing it. Just don't ignore it. That's I mean, you'll, you'll get shut down if you don't, if you don't do this new entrant audit and you don't, um, make contact with the auditor, you're going to, you're going to automatically get failed and you get placed out of service. We see that happen every now and again, wow. because a guy doesn't do his new entrant audit, they, they will put you out of service. So don't give them the, uh, don't give the DOT the email address that, uh, you know, you never pay attention to. Yeah. Or, right? yeah. It, or the, you know, make sure your phone number is good that you gave to the, to the DOT. Don't, don't ignore them and don't, yeah, don't give the, uh, I'm going to all my spam email 
that are, where I'm going to get spam yep. email. Don't give that address. Yep. Give a good legitimate address so they can get in contact with you or you're going to be up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> up a creek. Wow. Now we know where you're from, Chris. <laughs> you did grow up on a farm. I did. Yeah. All right. Well, it, good. I hope everybody has gotten something out of this uh, discussion and the, the last two as well. Uh, these are kind of our series of episodes on regulation and uh, audits and inspections and all that stuff. So uh, taken as a series, I hope that this has been really helpful. Again, go to hollandassetsllc.com for the full show notes. It's going to give you uh, all the details of the things that we've talked about. Chris, any final thoughts to wrap this up or do you feel like we're good? I I think we're pretty good. I, I would just say one last time that people have any additional questions or want more resources, there's plenty of stuff on Motor Carrier HQ. And as always, they can always give one of the coaches a call that can kind of help them through the process, answer any questions they might have. And and if there are any resources that we provide that might be helpful to you, they'll talk to you about that. And as always, there's there's no cost until you find something that you want. The, the consultations and the question answering and all that stuff's free. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you or you'll hear us next week. See you then.